Thank you. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Great music this morning. It's uh, good to see you again. If you're visiting with us on this Sunday before Christmas, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we do this every Sunday of the year. So come back and join us. We would love to have you. It is great to see some new faces. So I say that uh, tongue in cheek. We really would love to have you be a part of our church family. This is a great place uh, to be. And uh, not only with students sharing, that was fantastic, but uh, uh, in the quartet, uh, you can book those. I've decided I will be managing them. So you got to go through me because I want a percentage. Um, but uh, good to see you this morning. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open there. Neely's going to come up and uh, read our scripture this morning. But you can go ahead and turn there. Come on up, Neely. Neely is going to read for us, but turn to Luke chapter 1, and I think we're starting with verse 26, right? So thank you for reading the word for us this morning. I'll wait until the pages stop flipping. Um, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of God, the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be... Will be Therefore the child to be born will be called holy and the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. Thank you, Neely. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Those of you that have been here the last few weeks know we have been uh, going through a series called Crazy Faith that we're going to end this morning by looking at the story of Mary, which is a wonderful story uh, of the Bible because she actually demonstrates to us a lot of things about crazy faith that we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, I, I love the story of Mary. By the way, there's a couple of accounts of this story. This is Mary's account we find in Luke. In the book of Matthew, we kind of have this story from Joseph's perspective. And so, uh, uh, husbands, you always know there's your version, and then there's your, your wife's version, right? We're going to look at the ladies' version this morning, all right, if that's all right, and look at the story of Mary. I, I, I love this because it starts right off telling us about uh, the angel Gabriel, and if you remember, we're going to have a few flashbacks this morning, so hang with me. If you remember a few weeks ago, one of the characters that we looked at in the scripture who had a crazy faith story was Zechariah. And you remember the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah. So this is the second appearance after, as Joey reminded us, 400 years of silence. Gabriel does heavy duty in the first chapter of Luke. I mean, the Lord has him busy, sent him to see Zechariah. Now, the next trip he has gone to see 
Mary, and he appears in a place called Nazareth. Now, if you've never been to the Holy Land, and I have not been, but I'm going, and Lord willing, I'll take a group of you with me to go with us uh, so we can see Israel and walk where Jesus walked. Some of my pastor friends have said, you'll never be the same, and I believe it. I'm ready to go. But if you know a little bit from Bible history about Nazareth, it was about 15 miles away from the Sea of Galilee uh, and a few miles from the closest major Road. So this is a place kind of, as they would say, kind of like how I grew up, podunk. I mean, it was out there. Six miles, I think, six or seven miles from the closest road. And only one small well, by the way, scholars tell us in this particular village. And yet Jesus, this baby that we're going to read about this morning, would forever be identified with podunk. Nazareth. I mean, people called him Jesus of Nazareth, right? And so it's amazing where you grow up. Be careful, because you're going to be identified with that place. Roebuck, South Carolina. Can I get a witness? All right, I got one over here. There we go. Does anything good come from Roebuck? Yes, I guess it does. I guess it does. So we find this story here as it opens up. We find out that Mary, Gabriel goes and visits Mary. And it's very interesting. You may not know these things about Mary. I knew a few of those things. But in restudying this story, I found out some new things about Mary. We know that she's a teenager. She's probably 15, maybe 16 years of age. She's an unknown teenager because why? She lives in Podunk. Serious. 15, 16 years of age. We also discover from the scripture because the Bible tells us that she was a virgin in verse 27. She's a virgin and yet the Bible is going to go on to tell us in just a few minutes that it's to this young girl, this teenage girl, that the creator of the world decides to send his son. Amazing. It's all going to happen the way Mary has kind of hoped it's going to happen. I mean, I, I can't relate to... A girl, I don't self-identify as a girl, I self-identify as, as a guy. But if I try to put myself in a girl's shoes for just a minute and think about how you ladies might think, she perhaps is dreaming that one day she'll find that perfect love, and right now she thinks it's Joseph. She's thinking that one day she's going to have this great wedding and, you know, have kids and maybe not the white picket fence, but she's thinking kind of like that, and all that's going to happen just not in the way she expects it to happen. Because what you may or may not know about culture at this time, the, the penalty for having adultery was death. So have that in your brain because when Gabriel comes to her, he's going to present to her this possible story that is actually going to come about. That if I was her and put myself in her shoes, I don't know that would be a great greeting that I would like to get from an angel, but nonetheless, it's the greeting that she got. And here's what we read in verse 27. She's a virgin engaged, the Bible says. The ESV version that Neely read for us, which I love, says betrothed. Uh, you may not be aware of this. There, there were three stages in this culture to a wedding. Lord, help us three stages to a wedding. I have one daughter. I can't imagine. Let's just have one stage to a wedding. But in this culture, there were three stages to a wedding. The first stage was engagement, and it was set up by the fathers. Now, I, I could go for that. 
I could go for that in 2019, 2020. I could set that up because I would set it up. Maybe 40, 45 is a good age, I think, to get engaged. <laughs> As a dad that has a daughter, that's a good age. There was engagement that was set up by the dads. The second stage of this wedding in Jewish culture was betrothal or being pledged. And you, you had this ceremony where actually it was kind of like our marriage ceremonies today. You would have the marriage ceremony and vows would be exchanged. But at that point, you still weren't married. Because that was the third stage, marriage. And you know when marriage happened? Usually about a year later in Jewish culture. And you know when it happened? When the bridegroom came for his bride. Do you know who was in charge and who had the final say of the weddings in this culture? Who has the final say of the weddings in our culture? The bride, maybe. The mom of the bride. We'll talk later. We'll talk later. My wife's not here today. She's, she's uh, getting over a migraine, so... Huh. Yeah, 23 years ago. We just celebrated our anniversary. I told you guys last week, the 14th of December. Whew, I, I just knew I wasn't in charge. I got that perfectly clear. I was not in charge. In Jewish culture, the person that was in charge was the father of the groom. So they would have this time where they would have an engagement. They would have the betrothal or the pledging where they would go through their vows. And then... The groom would go off and prepare the home for his soon-to-be wife. And the person who determined when that home met the standard to go get his bride was the father of the groom. Isn't that interesting? Fast forward to our year. One day, the father will tell the groom, Jesus, Everything's set. The standard has been met. Everything's set. Go get your bride, the church, which is us. Man, I, I, I would encourage you, if you don't have any Jewish friends, find some. Because you learn a lot about what the Scripture says, because we don't understand that culture. Most of us, because most of us probably are not Jewish. You, we didn't live in that time and understand what's happening here. All these stages of marriage are happening, and she's not yet married, but she has been promised to Joseph. And so the angel says some things to her. In verse 28, the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 27, verse 28. And coming in, the angel Gabriel says to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. And some versions of the Bible will say, You are blessed. She gives, the angel gives Mary three things about her. Kind of encouraging her before she drops the whammy, so to speak. I'm going to give you some good news and some encouragement so that you can handle what's coming. She says, you are highly favored. The Lord has blessed you. The Lord is with you and you are blessed. Three characteristics, by the way, that if you're a child of God are actually true of you and me. Also, the Lord is with you. You're highly favored. You are blessed. But even when she hears this, verse 29, it says she was greatly troubled at this statement. And she kept pondering. Your American Sanders says, pondering, I like that, what kind of salutation this might be. She was troubled. And yet the angel says in verse 30, do not be afraid. She was troubled. The angel said, do not be afraid. Many times we read in the Christmas story 
The angels say, do not be afraid. They said, do not be afraid to Zechariah. Remember, the angel appeared to Zechariah, freaked him out, said, do not be afraid. The angel appears to the shepherds in the field. They freak out a little, little bit. The angels say, do not be afraid. Same thing that the angel Gabriel says here to Mary, do not be afraid. And here's what the, the angel goes on to say in verse 32, 31. Well, let's back up even verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call him Jesus. And she says four things about this baby. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the, the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And his kingdom will have no end. Wow. Picture this. You're a teenager, you're an unknown teenager in podunk. An angel shows up, freaks you out, you're scared. The angel says, don't be afraid, you're going to have a baby. You've never been with a man. You're going to have a baby, and by the way, this baby that you're going to have, he's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the most high God. His throne is going to be of his father David, and of his kingdom it shall never know an end. If I was her, I'd be going, wow, I got to start checking that uh, manna that I'm eating at night. I think somebody might have put something in that. <laughs> what a powerful thing to hear as a young teenage girl. But then I love this because Mary asked a question. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? Now, before you and I jump to conclusions and we read that and we go, wow, okay, she's, she's kind of questioning this angel when you go back and you do the word study on all the words as the pastor has to do. She's not asking, she's not asking in a way to say this is impossible. She's asking in a way to say, okay, I believe it, but just so you know, in case you don't know, you're an angel. I don't know if you know everything that God would know, and I, we haven't heard from, from anybody from the Lord in 400 years, but just in case, I've never been with a man. How's this going to happen? Fill me in. It's not like I don't believe you. It's like, how's this going to happen? Which brings us to the first thing about having a life of crazy faith this morning. And it's simply this. Crazy faith sometimes goes against the facts. We don't have time this morning. I've shared a few with you over the last eight or ten weeks that I've been here for me to tell you all the stories of my own life and many of you could share stories from your life as well of all the times where things have happened and I've received quote unquote facts about me, my life, my ministry, my family, my kids, but God steps in and all the facts become irrelevant. And crazy faith oftentimes goes against the facts. I'm grateful for a church family that has a vision. I love you guys. I'm so, and ladies, I'm so grateful you have a, a vision. Because I know in our humanity, we look at things like a church budget and we're like, how in the world is that going to happen? Because the fact is last year this happened and the fact is the year before that this happened. And the, I'm all for budgeting, being smart, looking at spreadsheets, doing pros and cons on a piece of paper and all that. But ultimately, men and women, the facts oftentimes don't match up with a person walking in crazy faith. They just don't. 
Some of you have been to the doctor and you got a report. The doctor said, this is it. This is over. It's infested your body. You might as well prepare your funeral. But God went against the facts and you're sitting here today. So facts are good. And it's good to know the facts, just the facts. But oftentimes, crazy faith will just go right against what the facts are. And Mary responds in such a way to say, okay, I know what the fact is. I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. And yet you're telling me somehow I'm going to birth the child of God, the son of the Most High. Wow. The angel answers her question, thankfully, as God's word always does. When she asks, how can this be? The angel answers in verse 35 and gives her the answer. She sa- the, he says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy, for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, which means will cover you will come upon you. It was, a, it was a holy conception. We talk about in the church in, in 2019 about the virgin birth. Yes, it was the virgin birth, but what makes it so incredible, it was a holy conception. There's even some churches, Catholic churches, called Immaculate Conception. Yes, it's exactly what it was, Immaculate Conception. That's what makes the virgin birth so important. The virgin birth is important because it was an Immaculate Conception by the Spirit of God. You need to grab a hold of this because there is this, there's this shift, even in evangelical circles, to discount the virgin birth. And the immaculate conception of God, and just say, well, I don't know how it happened, but it, it happened somehow, but I don't believe it, that, that happened. Friends, that is a slippery slope for the world to get us to start denying what we might think are little things of the Scripture, and before long, we don't believe any of the Bible. That's why this story is so important. One of the reasons it's important. It's God's direct intervention. I mean, think about it. How else could this happen? Except for the Spirit of God doing what the angels told Mary was going to happen. I mean, I know we've gotten really good at science and technology, and we can make babies just about out of everything, which I think is a little bit scary in our world. But this is pre-all that. Even if it was possible to have an immaculate conception, and it's not. God's direct intervention and again the the virgin birth is so important some people may say what was it really necessary God could have brought Jesus into the world in some other way he could have yes he could he's God he could have done it however he wanted but Gabriel what Gabriel says here seems to indicate this was absolutely imperative that it happened this way because he says in those verses the verse we just read verse 35 the holy spirit will come upon you the power of the most high will overshadow you and for that reason some translations say and so in other words because of that the holy offspring will be called the son of god wow amazing okay freeze frame pause just a minute don't forget This is a teenager. 
Man, our world likes to put down students. I love our student ministry. I love our student pastor, teaching pastor. Next time, teenagers, somebody puts you down, just, just kind of remind them really nice. By the way, God kind of came to the world through somebody my age. Just, just saying. <laughs> just remind them. Just remind them. God used a teenager then. He wants to use teenagers today, by the way. So God could have done it however he wanted. But the, without the virgin birth, there's no Christmas. And Mary gives an interesting answer after all this. Verse 36. He tells her about Elizabeth. We'll come back to that. Verse 37, nothing's impossible with God. And then Mary answers in verse 38, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, the servant of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. In other words, just as you said, let it happen to me. Yes. Yes. Wow. Some people call that the greatest statement of faith in all the Bible. We read it on this side of history as a passing comment. Because we forget to put our senses and ourselves in the place of this teenage young girl who's just been told she's going to have the Son of God in podunk. An unknown 15, 16-year-old teenager. A great story of faith. I mean, think about it. You, your mom maybe asked you to go fetch a pail of water. You kind of headed out to that well. On the way to the well, you run into this angel. You run into the angel, and the angel says, Hey, don't be afraid. By the way, you're going to have the Son of the Most High God. And all you were doing was going out to get a bucket of water. What do you say to that? She says, all right. I'm willing to do my part. But you've got to explain this to me. Because there's this one little problem. I've never been with a man. And the angel tells her how God is going to do that. And her answer is yes. But we discover something else in this story that's very, very important. And I look, have looked over it for many, many years. This is the second thing about crazy faith. Crazy faith will gain encouragement from other stories of faith. How do I know that? Because the person that Gabriel refers to to give her a little encouragement that God can do the impossible is Elizabeth, who we studied just a few weeks ago. And he says this in verse 36, as if to say, and just if you're wondering if God's not big enough to do this, behold... Even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she was actually called barren. And she is in her sixth month of pregnancy, just by the way. When you go see her. Crazy faith gains encouragement from other stories of faith. The angel Gabriel says, look at Elizabeth, what happened? We are going to start something in the new year. Friends, hopefully, Lord willing, with your permission, I'm going to be asking you to come up here on this platform on Sunday mornings and to share what we would call a testimony. Because testimonies are powerful. Testimonies give encouragement to us as believers. Because we can go, wow, look at what God did in Tommy's life. And look what God did in Joey's life. And look what God did in Gerald's life. And on and on and on and on. That's what builds our faith. That's how we get crazy faith. One of the ways we get it. And so the angel Gabriel says, look at Elizabeth. Look at what God did with Elizabeth. And she was old. And she didn't think she could have a baby. And when you go see her, she's going to be walking around six months pregnant. 
So God can do it. And so through this story, Gabriel uses the testimony of someone else to give Mary some encouragement to be a person of crazy faith. But then the last thing that I love is this. Mary's answer. Mary's answer. answer. Mary says, Behold, be it done to me according to your word. In other words, just how you said it. Let it happen. Crazy faith says yes when you don't know all the answers. Let's not underestimate what it cost Mary as a teenager in that culture to say yes to Gabriel. Let's not underestimate it. We, we, it's hard for us to wrap our head around because we don't, we, we don't know much about that culture and obviously we don't live in that culture right now. But for her to say yes cost her like, can you imagine? She perhaps had this beautiful wedding day planned that she was gonna have. The anticipation of this wedding day to be basically ruined perhaps. We know it wasn't ultimately ruined. But again, remember she's 15 or 16 years old. Decorating, preparing her home. No, what did she get? She got to walk around the town. And slowly as the baby began to show in her tummy, for people to see her and go, there's, hey, there's that girl. That, you know, she, she, Joseph, she and Joseph aren't even married yet, and she's pregnant. Hmm. Guess he got what he wanted before he even got married. You fill in the words that she was called. I won't get graphic this morning. I don't need to. But you think it was different in that culture than it is today? No way. She's getting called all kinds of names. Ostracized. Shunned. Well, yeah, but this baby's going to be the savior of the world. Well, that's a good one. I've never heard that one used before. Is that what you told your mom and dad when you showed up? And y'all just... I mean, can you imagine? I can't. I'm trying to put myself in this girl's place. A young teenager, all these dark clouds and suspicions going on. And her friends probably saying, can you believe Mary's expecting us to buy this story? That the Holy Spirit came upon her and she's going to have the son. What is this? And the whispers of promiscuity. In the community, don't forget it's podunk. I grew in Roebuck, man. You could share one story with somebody at the Burger King and by the next morning at 6 o'clock, everybody, Roebuck, Spartanburg, everybody knew. Here she has. What does she say yes to? Here's what she says yes to as we wrap up. She said yes to a burden. 33 years of turmoil and heartache. Taking her little boy to the temple and them traveling, turning around, and where's he at? Where's Jesus at? He's back in the temple teaching. Got to go back and get him. What's that? People going, who's this kid think he is teaching us? You know, and then some people going, well, he's a good teacher. He's a good preacher. I mean, can you imagine all these things that happen that we forget as a mom? Some of you who are moms, some of you who are ladies, you probably can relate to this. Grandmoms, you can relate to this better than than us guys. 33 years of turmoil and heartache, it was a burden. But you know what? She also had the joy of knowing she was the mother of the Son of God. Wow. 
She knew. Didn't matter what everybody else said. She knew. And perhaps the biggest reward, has there ever been a woman any greater than Mary? You know what? If she could be here today and stand down here in the front today, and we could all ask her, Mary, Mary, was it worth it? I don't have to wonder what she'd say. Say, yes, it was worth it. Why? Because obeying God changed her life forever. And obeying God, my friend, will change your life forever. And if you want to be a person of crazy faith, it's going to require some things of you and me. Maybe this morning you come in here and you come in here with a lot of facts. Maybe you've even received some news from the doctor this week and you've got a lot of facts, a lot of news that you didn't think was good. Can I encourage you to say, but God? I'm not saying be reckless. I'm saying be a person of faith. Some of you, some of you in here, including this, this guy. I mean, just several months ago, I had to just say yes to God and not know all the answers. You ever had to say yes to something and not know all the answers? How many of you in here married? <laughs> okay, just checking. Just checking. Yes, I do. Oh, what did I do? What did I do? That's my wife's perspective. That's what she'd say. I just went, oh, hallelujah, I did good. We need to have that same kind of yes to God. Somebody explained it this, this way to me as we wrap up this morning. It's almost like you and I have this blank piece of paper. And we sign our name at the bottom. And we hand it to God and we say, you fill in the details. But what we often do in our North American Christian mindset is we go, God, I would like this, and I would like this, and it's not too much trouble, maybe this, as if we're writing the same letter to Jesus that we would give to Santa Claus. Write this, and Lord, I will give this to you, and if you have any questions, you can review that with my executive assistant, and when you guys work, hash out negotiations, Give it back and I will sign it. Men and women, that is not living with crazy faith. I don't know how God's speaking to you this morning, but he's been speaking to me this week. Just when I think I've stretched just as far as I can go with my faith, God goes, hmm... One more step, one more step. How, do, how does our faith increase? We've talked about this. We have to work that faith muscle. We work that faith muscle, it gets stronger. Does yours need to be stronger today? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the example of Mary. Thank you, Lord, that she was a young girl, a teenager, who said yes to you. She had no idea. All the details. And even though you explained to her how she was going to become pregnant, if I was her, I still would have been going, what? And yet she said, let it be. Just of you, as you have said, yes, I will be the Lord's servant. 
Lord, I pray for these friends in this place today. Would you help us respond in faith? I pray if there's anyone here in this place today that has never said yes to Jesus, that today would be that day that they would take that step of faith. For others of us, Lord, in here, maybe we need to take an extra step of faith, not for salvation, but just another step of faith to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. Fill in the paper. I've already signed it. I'm yours. I'm your bond servant. I am the Lord's servant, just like Mary said. So speak to our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you in just a minute to stand for our invitation hymn as Joey leads us. If you need to come down and make some decision for the Lord this morning, I would encourage you to do it. If you're visiting today and you want to be a part of Crossroads, I would love to talk with you. Uh, My friend Heath uh, would love to speak with you as well. If you need to make a decision for Jesus, I pray that you would just respond to how he leads you this morning. Would you stand? Heath and I will be at the front. We'd love to pray with you today. Let's, Let's sing together.